Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and join our crystal movement. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we're going to explore a stone that is a little bit controversial, but one that has really gained in popularity over the last few years. So we'll be discussing the healing properties of shungite, a crystal for healing and protection. But before we get started with our main topic, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com slash ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Ashley, and Ashley says, do you grid the room with sacred geometry before your crystal healing sessions? Ashley, this is a great question, and I really think it's kind of up to you as the healer. Many healers do choose to grid their healing space. Um, So if you have a dedicated room of your home or just part of a room, or if you have actually like a studio space or office where you offer sessions, whether that be for massage, for Reiki, for crystal healing, you can place a crystal grid around the room. And this would basically encompass the entire space. That's usually the intention when gridding a room is to distinguish that space. So you can do this with kind of the simplest form of a grid, which is just one stone in each corner of the room, or you can get a little bit more complex. It's totally up to you and your intention or purpose. But what I would recommend is that if you are going to grid your room, don't just do it for the sake of having a crystal grid. Really think about your use of the space and your intention for your crystal grid and really put some thought into this and choose a grid that would be really supportive of the work that you do and also of your clients who will be entering the space. So for a healing arts space, I really like to choose some crystals that help create a grid that will do something really supportive, like keep the space protected and free from outside energies, or a grid that will support healing and transformation for the work that's being done, or even a grid that helps create more of a sacred space in and of itself. So there are so many kind of go-tos and recipes to choose from, but what's important is to really think about how you utilize the space and what's going to be most helpful. And Ashley actually had a second question. Ashley says, I have not shared with the world yet that I have a new healing modality, uh, meaning crystal healing. I struggle with the judgment from others, but know that I have a powerful talent from the friends that I have done sessions with. Ashley, I would encourage you to go at your own pace, you know, make sure that you feel comfortable and safe as you're kind of starting to integrate what you do. 
but I definitely understand struggling with that fear of judgment. And we all deal with this from time to time, whether in our work with crystals or in other areas of our life. But really think about the work that you're doing and how much the benefits of sharing your healing gifts kind of outweigh those fears in a lot of ways. And this fear of judgment from others in the work that we do as crystal healers can come from a lot of different places. Maybe it's the fear that we're a little too out there, that we're kind of weirdos for working with crystals and not wanting to be kind of found out for this thing that you're into. Um, So there's kind of that fear of judgment that others won't accept this part of you. There's also the fear of judgment that you're not good enough, that you couldn't possibly be a powerful healer. And that people will be comparing you to others or kind of looking down their noses at you, thinking that you're not quite good enough to do this work. There's also the fear of failure, that if you really put yourself out there, what if it doesn't work out and then what will other people say? So these fears, they are really our subconscious mind's way of trying to protect us and kind of shield us from any possible less than favorable outcomes. But what we need to remember is to just put everything into perspective. It's good to push yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone, um, but don't take on anything that you're not ready for. If you feel like you need a little bit more time with this before you make it super public, that's okay. But don't let your fears hold you back. You know, like I said, move just a little bit outside of your comfort zone with this, a little bit at a time. Maybe start gradually working it into conversation, talking to people about what you do. And, you know, if you're afraid of that judgment about crystals in particular, maybe start with just saying you're doing energy healing work and that you're supporting healing and transformation of other people with different energy healing modalities. And that can be kind of a sly way of walking into a conversation without having to have that kind of full disclosure and judgment about what you do. Now, take it from me, I now sing about my work with crystals loud and proud, but I know that this can be a little bit intimidating. So like I said, go at your own pace, take it slow if you need to, push yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but don't take on any conversations or situations that you're not ready for yet. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for those excellent questions. And remember, if you have a question you'd like me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, heart-centered business, or anything else that you're curious about right now, you can let me know over at loveandlightschool.com slash ask. And now it's time for us to dive into our main topic for today, the healing properties of Shungite, which as I mentioned, is a crystal for healing and purification. Now, you know that I usually like to start these healing properties episodes off with a little affirmation that has come through from the crystal. But today we're going to approach this episode just a little bit different than usual. So Shungai is an amazing stone for healing and of course for purification, but it is a little bit controversial due to some of the claims being made about its use. And I was actually recently interviewed for an article at Mind Body Green about the properties and benefits of Shungai for this reason. It has really become 
super mainstream, but there are some important things to keep in mind when it comes to shungite. And I receive so many requests for information about this particular stone. And after this interview with Mind Body Green, I was feeling really inspired to share a little bit more with you about shungite, which is not technically a crystal. It's a non-crystalline mineraloid, so it doesn't actually have an internal crystal structure. So you might be wondering, why would we use it in crystal healing if it's not technically a crystal? And we often do turn to other mineraloid type substances that we incorporate into healing work as well. So before we really dive into the healing properties of this stone and some ways to work with it, it's important to note that not all shungite is created equally. So the name shungite was first used to describe this mineraloid way back in 1879, and this name was used to describe a really high carbon mineraloid found in Russia near the area of Shunga in the Lake Onega area of Karelia. So this high carbon variety of shungite, and when I say high carbon, I mean 98% of the mineraloid was composed of carbon. And so think about how carbon comes from organic material. Carbon is what makes up all life on earth. We all have carbon. So over 98% of this mineraloid found in Karelia in Russia was carbon. And this high carbon variety of shungite is the stone that's linked to the claims of water purification and antibacterial properties. However, there are many other shungite containing minerals, which are often just called shungite by name, that have much lower proportions of carbon. And sometimes these are distinguished as shungite variety one, which would be the high carbon variety, shungite variety two, three, four, and five. And these vary really greatly with their carbon content ranging from less than 10% all the way up to about 80%. But think about this, that's a big difference from the really high carbon variety that comes from Karelia in Russia, over 98% carbon, all the way dropping down to 80% at the next highest concentration of carbon, going sometimes down to less than 10% carbon. So the lower the percentage of carbon, the lower the amount of fullerenes, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and thus the less likely shungite will live up to its reputation for healing and purification. So I wanted to kind of give you that little bit of a scientific sort of background and look at this mineral so that you understand that there is a difference in the shungite that is available on the market, some of it very low carbon, some of it very high carbon, and this will affect some of those properties that have been attributed to shungite over time. So <laughs> let's dig into our crystal message or affirmation that goes with shungite. I cleanse myself of unwanted energy I set healthy boundaries, and I am protected and shielded from that which is not for my highest good. 
Now I know that's a long one, so I'm going to repeat that one one more time. I cleanse myself of unwanted energy. I set healthy boundaries and I am protected and shielded from that which is not for my highest good. Now, shungite as a mineraloid is a little bit different than a crystal, but it still has some amazing properties associated with it. It's been known to help facilitate astral travel. It helps you feel really connected to all beings, and it promotes feelings of universal oneness. And I think part of that has to do with this carbon content, because carbon comes from living organisms. So, of course, it helps us feel connected with all other beings around us. Shungai also helps create a protective energetic shield around your energy body. It's been known to defend against EMFs as well as against psychic attack. It brings light to dark times in your life. So if you've been having a rough time, this is a good stone to turn to for some support. It's also been said to help regulate the temperature of your body during energy work, particularly for people like crystal healers, Reiki masters, uh, pranic healers who are doing energy work and become very warm. This is a common occurrence for people who are kind of running energy. So shungite has been said to help regulate your body temperature during that type of work. It also energizes your body, mind, and spirit. It's been known to transmute negative energy into positive energy. It helps soothe tired eyes, especially after like a long um, session at the computer or if you've been just having too much screen time. And it energetically supports the reduction of pain and inflammation in the body. So shungai, if you've never seen it, ranges from a dark gray to a black with the luster, meaning kind of the shine, ranging from almost a chalky matte finish to a highly glossy finish. It's associated with the third chakra or solar plexus, the sixth chakra, the third eye, and the seventh chakra, the crown. It's connected to the zodiac signs of Scorpio and Capricorn, and it's strongly related to the earth element. The companion flower for shungite is silver sage, which is known as salvia argentia, and its companion essential oil is Siberian fir. Its companion stone, I find it works really well with malachite, but you can also pair this with selenite. Its common origins are Russia, and most of the shungite that you see available on the mineral market comes from Russia, but it has been found, again, these shungite-type mineraloids have been found in India, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Austria, and Kazakhstan. Now, I want to be sure to point out here that the high-carbon variety of shungite is also sometimes known as noble shungite or elite shungite. So I mentioned that shungite is this kind of black, glossy mineral from the Karelia region of Russia when you get that really high grade, and it's composed of about 98% carbon. That was the original shungite that was found. And this was formed from the remains of algae that lived about 2 billion years ago. And this high carbon variety of shungite with that carbon content in the 98% or above range is the stuff that's known as the noble shungite or elite shungite. 
And the exciting thing about this is that some of this carbon comes in the form of fullerenes, which you heard me mention before. These are also called buckyballs. Now, albeit these fullerenes are in really trace amounts, ranging from 0.0001 to 0.001%. So these fullerenes are similar in shape to a soccer ball, which have shown a promise as a cornucopia of potential health benefits. So fullerenes appear to have antimicrobial properties, and they possibly target such health risks as free radicals and cancer cells, which is why shungite has become so popular. People who are looking to kind of detoxify their environment, their bodies, often turn to shungite. And these fullerenes are also useful as a purifying agent, especially in water. But I do think some of these benefits of shungite have been stretched quite a bit. So I do want to acknowledge, though, that these recent findings really line up nicely with the traditions surrounding the use of shungite. For example, in the Russian village of Shunga, for which the mineral is named, people have long used shungite as a folk remedy for purification, especially of water. And for this reason, even Peter the Great of Russia set up Russia's first spa in Karelia to make use of this mineral. And Peter the Great even used shungite to supply soldiers in the Russian army with purified water. So with the high carbon content in the Karelian shungite, this wouldn't have been much different than using a carbon filter for your water at home. And now modern scientists are even investigating these buckyballs or fullerenes for exactly these same properties. So it's kind of a fascinating case of where modern science actually does support many of these traditional properties associated with the crystal. And there have even been a few modern cities that have shown shungite to have antibacterial qualities. Now, although creating shungite water has become a really common practice in the metaphysical community, I always suggest erring on the side of caution here with any type of crystal-infused waters since it can be difficult or even impossible to know what other trace elements might be present in your exact shungite stones. I suggest using only the indirect method of preparation for gem waters and crystal elixirs rather than placing your shungite directly into the water that you drink because remember... Although some of that noble and elite shungite should contain 98% or higher carbon content, we don't know what might be in the other 2%. And with much of the shungite on the market containing even less carbon than that, remember between less than 10% up to 80%, exercising caution is incredibly important here for anything you're going to consume. So I don't personally recommend placing your shungite directly into your water for this reason. It's always important to make sure that safety comes first. So let's dig a little bit more into those metaphysical uses of shungite. This is an excellent grounding stone and it does have a high vibration, but it helps bring your spiritual body down into the physical plane so that you can better integrate Things like cosmic wisdom and karmic lessons, things that you pull down from the cosmos onto the physical plane for tapping into and really understanding in a deeper way. 
Shungite is a powerful cleanser and it banishes things from your life that might be draining your energy. And once these things have been removed, you can really rest without that chaos weighing you down and drawing your attention away from things that are more deserving of your energy and your time. Now, like I mentioned, Shungite is well known for claims about its ability to purify energy, and this ancient stone was even used to charge and purify water. But more importantly, Shungite encourages you to learn more, to do more, and to push yourself forward toward the next spiritual breakthrough. It's also associated with the great cosmic mysteries, and it's said to bring light during times of darkness or uncertainty. So if you're looking for a way to work with Shungite, maybe you have some and you've never really done too much with it. It's excellent for supporting you if you're dealing with stress, anxiety, or overwhelm. And you can try wearing a piece of Shungite jewelry or just carrying some with you. Anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, just bring your attention to the place where the stone is making contact with your physical body. Close your eyes and focus on your breath. Breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, and then exhale for a count of four. And this deep rhythmic breathing will help bring you back to your center and help create more stillness in your mind. Now, I also want to share a little Shungite ritual. So to connect with the ancient wisdom of Shungite, these cosmic messages, place some dried lemon verbena or some of those Siberian fir needles, if you happen to have them, or even some leaves from the silver sage, the salvia argentia, into a small pouch along with a shungite stone and then tuck it into your pillowcase. Before you go to sleep, set the intention to experience and remember a really meaningful dream that'll help provide you with some guidance about something that needs to be healed or resolved in your life. It's said that Shungite holds the ancient energy from when it was formed. And so this wisdom and information can come through in the dream state. And it's the perfect stone to help you uncover the cosmic messages that will come through for you from the Akashic records. And this ritual works especially well when done at the time of the beaver full moon each November. So I'd love to hear your feedback and opinion about Shungite. How have you worked with it or what have you heard about it? What do you feel about it now after kind of learning about this various carbon content and ways that it has been worked with in the past? Let me know over on the blog post at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. Go ahead and leave a comment. I would love to hear your opinion. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Maybe you want to deepen your personal spiritual practice by connecting more deeply to your stones. Or maybe you're already working with crystals, but you want to learn some more advanced energy healing techniques. Wherever you're at on your crystal journey, the Love and Light School's CCH program can help you become the confident and intuitive crystal healer you know you can be. Are you ready to listen to the nudges from the universe and take the next steps on your crystal journey? Our CCH program is here to support you every step of the way.
The Crystal Healing Certification Program is coming soon. Want to know more? For info, free training, and to get on the list, go to crystalhealerschool.com. And now it's time for our trending this week segment. So each week in this segment, I bring you a quick discussion on something that's happening in the world of crystal healing and spirituality right now, or something that I'm just really loving and I want to share. So this week, I want to talk about something that's really been helping me a lot. A few episodes ago, I talked about my new journaling practice that's been going on for a couple of months now, Um, but now I've started to incorporate a little bit of self-care journaling. And I've been working with self-care, a day and night reflection journal, and it's done by Mandala Publishing. You can find it at mandalaearth.com. I absolutely love this little journal. So it's um, kind of broken into different areas, and it's just a way to record and reflect on what you did each day, how you're caring for yourself. And I like it because it's set up to just be totally open. Like each page, you can fill the date in yourself. So it doesn't necessarily go by a calendar year, which I quite like uh, because, you know, let's be real. You might miss a day or two here and there. But it really breaks out a few different areas that I have found to be really important. So the first thing that you get to do each morning is set an intention for the day, which was actually already part of my morning routine. So I really love that there's space to actually write it down and put pen to paper. There's a place to record your sleep, when you went to sleep, when you woke up, and the total hours of sleep that you got. I love this because I've always struggled on and off with insomnia, and this is really helping me track my sleep cycle. And then there's even a place to put if you had good dreams, bad dreams, no dreams, and a few little notes. There's also a place to record what you ate for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or snacks just to make sure that your self-care is going into what you're putting into your body as well, how many cups of water you drank, which I think we can all agree is pretty darn important, Uh, how much exercise you got, the start time and end time, how many minutes you got in for your workout routine, and then what type of exercise you did, and then there's a place to mark down any other activities that you did that day. And it's really cool because it kind of groups them into um, some different areas. And it also is helpful because it kind of inspires you to mix things up a little bit. So for example, it has things like journaling, social time, meditation, gratitude practice, time outside in nature, creative work, spiritual practice, spa day, therapy, alone time, being silly, learning something new, listening to music, cooking, cleaning, and then there's also a blank space for something else that you might do for your self-care. And then at the end of the day, there's a place to kind of reflect on how things went for you that day. And I love this because it's just a really small little check-in, but it allows you that time to reflect on how you feel and what worked for you and didn't work for you in terms of your self-care. And I think it's been helping me feel a lot more aware and more mindful of how I'm spending my time each day. And I think with all of the stresses 
that are happening in our world, all the fears and anxieties that we might have, especially in the midst of this global pandemic, being more mindful and more aware of how you're feeling and really tending to yourself has become more important than ever. So there's a place to put how you feel physically, and it gives you a few examples, but there are also some blank spaces to fill in. There are things that were fun or relaxing that day, things that were hard or stressful that day, a place to record any kind things that you did for yourself, which I think also, again, just helps you be a little bit more mindful of really taking good care of yourself. And then there's a little bit of a mood tracker that you can check in with a few times throughout the day. So how did you feel when you woke up? How did you feel as you went to sleep? And then a couple times in between. And then there's even a small place for just some other thoughts that you want to record each day. And I just have really been enjoying this. And this is just like two little pages. So Um, one front and one back. And it's just enough to make some quick notes, not be super time consuming, but really shift mindset and perspective a little bit. So again, that is self-care, a day and night reflection journal. And it's about 184 pages and it's put out by Mandala Publishing. You can find that at mandalaearth.com. And this is only a 90-day journal. Um, So I've been using it just for a couple weeks now. I've really been enjoying it. But the description that Mandala Publishing gives is, uh, this self-care journal provides a space to help you develop positive thinking, overcome challenging and stressful experiences, and cultivate a healthy lifestyle. Its delicately illustrated pages offer a place to record your thoughts and activities and consider how they affect your emotional and physical health. This 90-day journal will help you integrate self-care and contemplation into your everyday life. Having filled the journal with positive thoughts and reflections, you'll end up with a personal trove, which can be a source of positive inspiration at any time. And it's just so simple and beautiful. I think you'll really enjoy it too. So feel free to check it out. Again, that's the Self-Care Journal by Mandala Publishing. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's show. If you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe through that link as well. So you never miss a future episode of the show. And I want to give a really special shout out to today to the lovely Natasha C85. So Natasha said a gem of a podcast. I love this podcast. As I'm at the beginning of my crystal journey, it can be overwhelming to choose the right crystals and Ashley provides valuable information and guidance in an easy to understand way. It took a sampling of a dozen or so other podcasts to find this one. So Natasha, thank you so much for your review and your five-star rating. I'm so, so grateful. It helps other listeners find our show. 
So if you could take just a moment to leave a five-star rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes, I would be super grateful. And if you are interested in streaming our podcast on another podcast service, you can just visit loveandlightschool.com slash listen for lots of great streaming options. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Visit us online at loveandlightschool.com.